Welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. This is me, your humble, freaky, weird host, uh, William Porteous. I say that because I feel freaky and weird. I think I think we all do, right? You know, it's hard not to feel like a different version of ourselves right now. Rolling with the punches, as they say. Rolling with the punches. It's been a very strange week, I must admit. Like Maybe you'll probably be in the same boat as me, but last Monday... When the lockdown lockdown was announced, I uh, man, I had a meltdown. I knew it was coming, but to to actually experience it was another thing altogether. I uh, I'm glad for alcohol. Um, I'm glad that I'm able to control it to a degree, <laughs> and um, and not be in a situation where I rely upon it too heavily. But I must admit. Oh my God, I had some booze. But anyway, uh, this week's conversation with uh, Ian Dunn, we talk about that, uh, it, it, our own sort of coping mechanisms and what have you. And obviously we talk about Ian's journey into politics as well. Uh, Ian, for those of you who don't know who Ian is, he is a political journalist. You'll know who Ian Dunn is, for God's sake. I mean, judging by the um, interest on my Twitter account when I said that I was chatting with Ian I, I got the idea that you guys knew exactly who he is who he's a regular on the Romaniacs podcast as well so if you haven't listened to the Romaniacs podcast already uh, why haven't you and also just because you know Brexit has been absolutely catapulted beyond the White Walkers and into the the very depths of Mordor and been replaced with something about 30,000 times worse. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not talking about that. They've, they've, they've adapted very well. So I suggest that you listen into those guys because they've got some really uplifting, um, I, what would you call it? Like, not, not like TED Talks or anything, but they, they give you good, you know, good mental health, good things to think about. What have, what have, I wonder what you've been thinking about, uh, God, and how to get through this. Because it is tough, you know, because I do... You know, because we're all fundamentally been ground down to this this new version of ourselves, and we've, we've had this sort of new, I don't know, terror, horror, fear inside us, sort of, you know, unleashed, as it were. And it's hard to know how to manage that. But I think what it does do is it does offer us opportunity to at least get get to know a, a deeper sense of our of ourselves and like coping mechanisms and, and break things down to the sort of more mindful level of things you know so as you know I'm a gardener so for example there there are no planes in the sky at the moment there are very limited amount of trains there are hardly any cars on the road it's essentially beer, beer rebellion uh, extinction rebellion god I'm not an alcoholic um Extinction Rebellion's absolute wet dream come true, you know, minus obviously the horrible amounts of fatalities. But I mean, this is doing wonders for the environment. Uh, And also for if you are in any way struggling with it, I suggest that you do just you don't even have to go into the countryside for this. You can go into your back fucking garden. You can just go out on the balcony and just listen. There's shit that was that is there now that was always always been there but it was drowned out to such a horrible degree and you know i'm talking about i I mean i drive east to west every morning and 
it's Sydenham to uh, Barnes. It's extraordinary, extraordinarily quiet and and wonderful, mindful opportunities uh, galore. I would say. I mean, what else is there? Uh, what else is there? I don't know. It it does depend largely on what your lockdown situation is like. For example, my wife and I, we've got a, a beautiful daughter. Laura is, um, well, it's Pearl, but Laura, my wife, is uh, working working from home whilst having to mind our 20-month-old. 20, 20 20, 20 I'm so tired. You're just going to have to go with this one today, okay? And and it's really, it's it's bloody difficult. I mean, I thought it was difficult before, but we had we had like you know a carer sort of three three days a, a, a week, and, and she was she was wonderful. But all that obviously being shut down has now had Laura having to work from home and and me going out to work four days a week. It's I feel fucking guilty at work um, for for being outside. And let's face it, for the past few days it's just been absolutely glorious weather. Maybe some you know you you're out. Maybe it's for you. It's 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 wonderful. You know you get to read. You get to chill out a bit more. Um, you get to watch movies. And I remember what those were, and, and and books. And I remember reading those um, whilst I, you know, they, when they didn't send me to sleep. Literally one page into a book nowadays, I tend to just become like a seventy-five-year-old man and fall asleep in in my own soup. But yeah, anyway, so this conversation, which is coming right into your ear holes in just a second is is a good one it's got to be for me anyway it's got to be in my top three possibly top two uh he's a funny guy he's a funny fucking guy and he doesn't hold back he's he's wonderful he's he's a box office kind of kind of guy and he he giggles a lot he laughs a lot so so it's an upbeat conversation but anyway without any further ado i'll just let you have it and I, i hope you're safe i hope you're looking after yourselves being really kind to one another, because I guess that's the most important thing. Standing out on the balcony last Thursday and clapping the NHS was extraordinary. It was like being in the healing fields at Glastonbury, watching the fucking sun go down and everyone cheering the sun as it as it sinks. And it's just beautiful, cosmic, cosmic? I just said cosmic. Um, a beautiful spiritual moment, I think. And I, 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 we're going to take many good things from this horror, you know, of an event. And we will get through the other side just got to believe in it and it's it's you know you, you do have an option here you have you know many options but the most stark options are to sink swim and survive you can fucking do this you know you can fucking do this if you've got this far in life if you've nailed down a fucking job in the western world then you can or something like that you can you can do this you know the shit that's thrown at, thrown at us on a daily basis without even realizing and we still get up every morning it means you have the tools to be able to break this thing down to its basic form, which is essentially nature doing what nature does. And you just have to find out your role in that, in nature. You just have to find out your, your role and, and roll with the punches. And you can do that. You, you are a strong, awesome person. Okay? So look after yourself and enjoy this podcast. Rock on. Oh, hang on. No, no. Did I want to say something? Oh, yeah, maybe just check out my short film called The Name. It's on my website, somedaysarediamonds.co.uk, as in the Tom Petty song.
sundaysadiamonds.co.uk. You'll enjoy it. The name. It'll take your mind off things. It's 20 minutes. It's super quick. Rock on. This does it. It is just a podcast, right? It's not like a video thing you mean during you. It, exactly. And to be perfectly frank, even if I knew how to record video, it, you know, I'm not going to do it. So it's like, you know, how, how, who can look at someone's face for a fucking hour? <laughs> you know, it's, it's just solid. <laughs> Unless it's like, I don't know. I, well, maybe barbed wire pamela anderson you know probably watched i don't know man that wasn't a great film i mean i love the way that you've gone straight for that that is a that is a pretty yeah. dig yeah that's and that's an unusual one where did that come from it's well i'll tell i'll tell you where it came from Ian. it came from um oh yeah you know in this day and age of quizzing and house mm-hmm. partying and all that um thanks to corona um i was looking for quiz questions and I just wanted random shit questions to flummox everyone. And I was on Now TV, Barb Wire's on there. You know, the only, the only fucking problem is I had, I had to watch five minutes of it and it left me more traumatised than, like, I don't know, like 28 days later or something. Um, yeah, that, that was not fantastic, so, I've got to say. I don't think she ever really did a good film. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. That that is not a useful um, place for us to. That's not a useful subject of conversation for us. Well, we, you know, you don't know. You don't. You don't know that. I mean, there might be someone out there that just um, sparks her interest. I don't know. But um, how how are you? I've pressed record, cool. by the way. Just that that that'll probably go in there. Um, yeah. How are you? You're you're well. Yeah. I mean, is anyone well or not well at the moment? I don't really think they are. It's, Mentally, well, it's just oh. we're all just sort of on pause. I mean, you can. I don't know how you. Yeah. I don't know how you are with stuff like this. I mean, I don't particularly in terms of like change of lifestyle. It's not that severe. You know what I mean? I mean, I quite like being in the house. I quite like reading. I quite like films. Quite like cooking. So it's sort of all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you definitely get that sense of life is sort of on pause, and and yeah. then I think once you combine that with someone saying this might go on for 18 months or whatever you sort of thing. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about yeah. that fact. Like that's quite a difficult one for me to sort of, you know, yeah. consume. Well, it's, it's definitely one of those, it's a, a real mindful test, isn't it? It's like all those sort of like, I don't know if anyone's who's read, who's read the artist way, people in recovery or what have you, like people that are like, you know, learning how to break down mountains into little steps yeah, yeah. You know, like baby steps in like like that film with, in what about bob with um but uh murray bill murray oh my god it's, it's a great film but anyway he goes through his life having to break down all these great big barriers in his life but he breaks them down into tiny 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 little steps so there's no way i'm thinking about 18 months oh my god 18 months of this mm-hmm. i'll be like Oh, so I'm just doing it a day at a time, which I think is, if you try and fight this shit, you are going to be in right. serious trouble, you know? I you think this is the thing you just alluded it. to. I got told once um, that people who were wrongly imprisoned, there were two types. Like one type just basically went full Zen and just accepted the situation as long as it lasted. <laughs> full zen. zen, yeah. And type... Yeah. Just sort of thought, right, how long is it until my appeal? And then from there to this, and basically created this sort of calendar of tasks. Now, I would definitely be in that second category if I would make myself feel better by having kind of, and apparently they're the ones that basically go completely insane. Because once, <laughs> once you start failing at that stuff, it just, it, it all goes tits up pretty quickly. So I'm, I'm trying yeah. to 
I'm super conscious. I can't even remember who the fuck told me that. And and for all I know, it's just a pub. Serious health warnings on it because probably complete noise. It's playing right, in my yeah, mind quite yeah. a bit, so I'm constantly like, don't try to structure this. Just have a sort of degree of acceptance of of the manner. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that's part of the the whole thing. You know, like accepting the. Um accepting your your i don't know i know your new position in life and the other thing is we're all going yeah, through yeah. it together yeah. so you know i mean that's the that's the one consolation for me but then again if you're like a sport a bit of a sporting freak like i am it's it ain't great right. like it's uh you know i mean if it puts everything into perspective i don't really care about the premier league if it's if it's postponed or even eventually cancelled it's just you know in perspective it, it doesn't really matter it's just uh, i mean because if, if you're anything like my mate kevin who is literally was a hermit anyway. This is like <laughs> fucking heaven for him. It's you know, and, and I'm one move away from a hermit anyway because I've we've got a two month, a twenty month old uh, daughter, baby daughter, and that prevents us from doing most things really. And so the only thing I'm fucking miss <laughs> is the fucking pub. Yeah, but that's a pretty big know? thing to miss. That's mm. a massive thing. That is a massive thing. But anyway, um, no, I, I, I was. I was really uh, moved by your piece, actually, in um, on your website on Friday. The um, for those of you who don't know Ian's um, website, it's politics.co.uk. Um, ov- obviously, you do because everyone that listens to this show is a massive oh. Maniacs fan, and uh, that's just the way it is, you know. And um, the, the the UK's leading political podcast, Romaniacs, and. Um, yeah, no, there was a really beautiful, like it was, it was very, it was beautiful sentiment to it, and it actually rang quite true with the um, the day after the general election result, which you you read uh, wrote rather a really a, a moving piece, I think um, that kind of almost went alongside Naomi uh, Smith's um, reaction to the general election result. I mean, how 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 on earth have we gone through these two massive changes? Well, not changes, sorry, like schisms. We've got that. God damn Boris Johnson general election result that left a lot of us feeling incredibly mm. sad. And now we've got this horrendous coronavirus that is leaving us sort of paralyzed, yeah. you know. Where does that where does that put us? It's crazy. It's, it's a big question, Ian. It's, it's, it's quite easy question. to answer because it is so big. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it does feel like everything's happening incredibly quickly at the moment. Um someone just tweeted that we would still be in David Cameron's second term. <laughs> if it was, and I was just like, "Holy fuck!" Like, it's almost impossible Jesus. for me to comprehend that fact. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Can I swear? Can I swear yeah. on this, by the way? You, you, yeah, okay. I think I already have a whole bunch. It's just my bad. I I, I swear okay. to it all um, too much. I think. So yeah, I mean, it does feel like we're being hit by a lot of things all at once. I, I've got to say, my main. <sighs> My main hope right now is that we don't get contamination from the tribalism of the first event you mentioned into the second. Like, I'm especially, yeah. you, you can just feel people want to, certain people that don't have any other way of looking at the world, just want to instinctively shunk into one of those, into, one, into that kind of attitude. And on things like, I mean, the worst thing would be if, if it's, you know, the culture wars of going out. Which you can see, I mean, you can see it bubbling away there. Like, we've had the guys that spiked have had a go. We've seen Daniel Hannan kind of flirting with it in, I think, The Telegraph. We've seen it by Kavanaugh in The Sun today of this sort of attempt at something, you know, the cultural war straitjacket gets put over 
this new thing, which is going out and, oh, it's all a bit ridiculous, really, isn't it? And if we've got to kill a few people for the economy to keep on going, yeah. then, then off we go. And that's the main thing. You're just like, I don't see, apart from those guys having a go at that, I don't see many people wanting to follow. But my main concern right now would be that, that there is that form of contamination, which would be pretty grim. And in, in its, in its yeah. intellectual consistency would be not far off a form of sort of social Darwinism. It's basically just going, you know, oh, if they're weak, oh, they can die. You know, <laughs> the economy. I mean, yeah. That's some pretty ugly stuff. But yeah, I mean, like there's just this sort of, what well, in terms of contamination, I'm sort of thinking about how the right, well, hard right would perhaps use it uh, in a way to inform those that voted Brexit to then perhaps view our friends and neighbours France, Italy, Spain as not lesser people, but well, yeah, maybe lesser because because of what what they're going through. What we're all, we don't know how the extent of what we we're going to go through. Obviously, we don't. But in terms of tourism and what have you, uh, and trading blocks, and why would you want to trade with a country like Italy? Mm -hmm. You know, look what happened to them. Or and and obviously at the moment we don't know what's going to happen to the EU as a I don't know as a, an entity right now what it's going through, um, and and that that's pretty terrifying in itself. But what do you think of the oh God? I mean, like I said, we're we're really hardly even one I don't know one fifth of the way through this nightmare. Um, how do you think it's going to play out? Play out in terms of like the future and any positives? I think there's, there's I mean, there's potentially a lot of positives that can come from things, but then that doesn't mean anything in and of itself. You know, I mean, after the you know the, the, these are not comparable things, and please don't take me as, as if I'm saying them. But like after the Black Death, you know, very very. Um, workers and labourers on very low income suddenly found that they had a fantastic bargaining position on wages because there was less of a supply of labour and they were able to leverage that advantage. Yeah, that's what happens when like 200 million it's, people die. Yeah, right? yeah. So, I mean, you know, you can... Yeah. When people think, oh, isn't it absurd that you could think that a good thing comes from a terrible thing? It's like, well, actually, no. You know, it's extremely common that good things follow from, from terrible things. Um. And there are possibilities that we will have a different attitude towards benefits and welfare, you know, a more sophisticated and mature debate around that now that we realize that we are all, you know, from one day to the next potential benefit claimants. Um, and that we might be yeah. able to, I mean, we might, one praise, be able to finally, finally fucking put to bed the idea that the market always knows best. You know, I mean, that essentially that kind of, you know, they call it neoliberalism, the Milton Friedmanite sort of Friedrich Hayek kind of attitude towards economic yeah. questions, which is really quite literally no more sophisticated than pure communism as a, as an, as a sort of political tradition. I mean, it is basically just as completely, hopelessly defective in any kind of mature explanation of the world, and yet survives. But, yeah. of course, it never fucking survives once something happens. And in 2008, it didn't even survive for two months. You know, all as night followed day, it's like, oh, fuck, well, maybe we do need to interfere in the economy and recapitalize the banks and introduce quantitative easing and some kind of fiscal stimulus on a global scale, on an American scale, and as it happens on a British scale. This time, as soon as the coronavirus hits, again, the idea that the market knows best doesn't even survive for, it barely survived for hours, you know, and suddenly you get this thing of, no, no, actually, the state needs to do things. So hopefully... And, and this is pathetically optimistic because I'm sure that when this is over, we'll go back to, you know, we'll go back to normal with 
a degree of speed which would which would startle us right now, given that we're in the middle of it. But there is a possibility that we would try to realise some of the political truths that have been revealed by this moment and actually keep them to our hearts rather than just dismiss them airily days later. Yeah. Do you, do you think, like, um, this is so funny, the way the Overton window has been shifted so much now, but when you say... I mean, this is how much I've been conditioned as well. When people say communism, I, I automatically think of Jeremy Corbyn, which is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, and I'm aware of how fucking ridiculous that is. But it does it does spring to my mind. What would Jeremy Corbyn say he wasn't literally just in his last few days of his um, leadership? Jeremy Corbyn's got another, say, let's rewind three, four years ago this happened, or whatever it was, however the fucking mm-hmm. hell long he's been in. I don't know how long he's been the leader of the party. For. It feels like 20 years, but anyway. Yeah. Um, do you think he would, do you think he would benefit from this situation? Like, if, like hindsight, well, not hindsight, but just sort of looking back if he was to start now rather than be. Yeah, leader. that's a, that's a really interesting question. And I think like, okay, the first thing to say is obviously immediately, no. In that when we look across the world, we see big surges in support for the governing party. So um, we see it in France with Macron, we see it in Britain with Johnson, we see it in the US with Trump. And these are guys, very different communication strategies, uh, very different responses to it, and very different points um, when the poll when the polls have been done, have been at very different stages along the sort of coronavirus response line. And yet the public response is the same, which is support. And I think that isn't that is not an objective appraisal by the public of what is going on. That is just the phenomenon that in times of crisis, it's a war, it's a terror attack, you will find support for the government surges. That surge doesn't necessarily last that long, especially if things keep on going badly yeah. wrong. So on the first hand, no, I mean, it would immediately look problematic for him, even if he was at a, a more youthful point in his leadership. What happens next is a bit different because when the fundamental rules of politics are being rewritten, it does obviously open a space for a more radical appraisal of what's going on. However, you know, my, my attitude towards him after five years of watching him is, is that he's not really capable of sustained, complex or ingenious political thoughts. And so any of the opportunities that would have been presented, I think he, he would have just wasted. And in fact, by the interview that he did Oh, fuck. I think it was it was definitely the BBC, I can't remember who with, uh, I think on Monday or Sunday. He basically is outgoing interview as leader. You could sort of see that. The, his, his response was basically, um, this proves that I was right about everything. And you just think, what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, it, like, uh, personally, right, what are you, just as a politician, just read the room, man. Like, no one's interested in your... You know, your, your self-defensive yeah. mechanisms of assessing this moment, at least be capable of thinking about what is going on in the world right now. But secondly, intellectually, it's not even the same thing. Like the program that he was putting forward was for the good times of the, you know, sensibly the good times, even though our economy has been pretty much flatlining for some time, to be fair. Um of having a much, much deeper role for the public sector. Now, that's not what's happening now. What's happening now is in the face of complete catastrophe, we're resorting to putting the economy on absolute life support by just pumping it full of fucking money and, and trying to keep some demand there. So, I mean, even even on the technicalities of the argument he was making, it was catastrophically inept and completely wrong, in addition to the emotional sort of in, inadequacies that he also revealed. So... 
Are you on his Christmas card? I, definitely, card I don't think I am. Nor any of his angry, you bitter followers who. who... I think they're quite angry lot. Yeah, there 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 are a lot of angry lot, and and there are some that are going to be like you know, MPs for an awful long time that we're going to have to put <laughs> up with for, for for years for years and years and years to come, I guess. Um, so yeah, I I, I mean. Let's let's talk about you, man, because I I I like to talk about like background of people that come on the show, uh, like your colleague uh, mm-hmm. Naomi was on yeah, the show yeah. not so long ago, and I, I I knew fuck all about her, like other than what I'd heard on Romaniacs and stuff. And when she started talking about her life, I was like, what? <laughs> oh my fucking god, we need we need like another two hours on this. This is insane. Um, so I don't want to risk risk that i mean obviously unless you know you've had a pretty boring it's, life it's, i don't know maybe you've actually, had a really boring life and there's uneventful. nothing to talk so about i don't think you're going to have a similar problem okay <laughs> it really is very interesting <laughs> as you say and mine absolutely is not i don't think it will distract you for long where do you think you got started though politically i mean was it like how, you're what like 30 yeah. something oh, i'm 38 you're 37. Yeah, sorry, i'm still at that early point of okay. after a birthday where you can't remember what your actual age is yeah. Yeah, well, I'm I'm in the same boat. Well, I'm 38 as well. God, nearly 39. <laughs> anyway, eesh. no, I'm I'm, I'm I'm fuck it. I'm okay with that. 39 is going to be good. I'm, I'm I want to be 40. You know, distinguished, exactly. Exactly. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But when did it? When do you think it started for you? Like politics? When did it come on your come on your radar in a big? Oh, that's big way? yeah. No, that's um, that's been forever, really. Quite political parents. Lots of debate. Yeah. Um, mum's quite lefty. Dad's a sort of, you know. One of those, he's basically like your classic, he's like a classic centrist dad. So it's basically, like literally, you know, it's basically like, yeah. I, have, I would I have like one the of those, world yeah. to be fair and I would like to get rid of all, you know, all your injustices, but <laughs> don't touch the economy. And that was always just stuff that was yeah. debated around home. And um, I can't remember politics ever not being a thing that was discussed. It feels like that's always pretty much there yeah so i was always quite into it um was it kind of like an emotional thing like when you were when you were a kid because i can remember watching like question time with my dad and being really um blown away by people like uh, paddy ashdown or what have you and i say blown away i just right, right yeah yeah you know so that that was quite a young thing what, what about you can you remember like question time and shit like i remember a bit of that i was quite um I was quite sort of cross and radical back then. Um, so I joined uh, I joined the Socialist Workers Party. I think when I was fourteen, um, yeah, and stayed there. I think until I was about sixteen or seventeen when they when they expelled me. Uh, was it? Hang on. Was this was this a time of a riot? no no no? Uh, so what you mean the you, right? You mean the the because uh, they. I remember marching in Iraq and those guys being around handing out leaflets and me taking a few and being quite, um, yeah, you know, interested, but I never joined. But like, so what I should ask really is what what motivated you to, to join this? Oh, well, I was a Marxist party. back then. Um, so I, I, I basically had a, okay, yeah. my, my political sort of um, evolution went from um, evangelical Christian at sort of basically sort of 12 to 14 to, yeah, to hardcore Marxist. Um, I'm doing the rock science to uh, Ian at the moment, guys. The de- the, it, it was you know, the pretty much forms. straight. I mean, and, and actually, those are pretty easily interchangeable and on an emotional level, evangelical Christianity to, to hardcore Marxism. Um, and from there, 
That sounds like a book title. Um, and then from there to, to sort of to anarchism, really, like I started getting into more sort of like Bakunin and and that it, anarchism is a really good out from Marxism into something that looks more like liberalism because anarchism sort of has room for the individual, has a much more critical attitude towards the sort of power structures of Marxism. Sort of like, then there's really crude um attitudes especially towards power and towards class um that marxism yeah. has and once you start looking at the world that way it is it's it's a pretty good conversion mechanism to, to get out of marxism even though lots of forms of anarchism are extremely intimate with marxism and, and lots of marxism. okay so yeah it's like uh, the yew trees being planted in churchyards to get the pagans into the churches <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Kind of i mean thing. look if liberals want to do yeah. some kind of saving program to get people out of the swp i i advise them to start with bakunin start with bakunin don't start with fucking john stuart mill because it won't get you anywhere <laughs> jesus man that's that's quite a jump so you were like 14 years old what i mean because I, I like i said my, mine was iraq but i'm guessing there was stuff in between you know there must have been stuff going on like yugoslavia and what have you in the background prior to that but like what were you like as a young young guy getting into like into um I know Marxism and stuff. That's 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 quite interesting. What what was what was getting getting at you? What was in your in your mind? What was underneath the like the burning? Fire? I, was, I was tremendously cross, um, yeah. and and I yeah. and I think probably at that age, you're unless you're very impressive, it's quite rare that you're going to be able to really think through a lot of this stuff yourself. And you're usually looking for organisational and almost branding identity of of opposition. And that's provided by by lots of these organizations. I mean, I have to say, when you get into those organizations, they actually have very little room for rebellion at all because they don't really have any room for free speech. So it's quite rare that I think young people that find themselves in them are able to stay there for very long. Because pretty soon, if you're the kind of person that ends up in them in the late 90s, you know, when Marxism was not tremendously popular, this is only a few years after the end of, you know, the Cold War. It's not, not exactly the high point for Marxism right. <laughs> worldwide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joining okay, the SWP yeah. in Southampton <laughs> in the late 90s, there's, there's probably something unusual that's going on in you. And of course, that means that you will eventually leave it too. So what about your dress sense back then? I can see you like in a, a long leather black jacket. Yeah. Like, with some, uh, maybe some like badges on it. It wasn't that bad. It was more, the dress sense was mostly based on sort of, you know, super grass and ocean colour scene and things like that. You know, the, oh, bloody amazing bloody amazing not, bloody not really amazing. and in fact when those photos come up you just think well this is a fucking an actual disaster in human form that has emerged but yeah so oh, that was, that God, was great yeah. I, I think you um i do sort of suspect that it's tremendously useful to understand marxism on a sympathetic level and then discard it like, i do think that's like a really healthy political maturation process like if you if you're it, without having understood it, there's a lot of the world that will never make sense, I think. And without having rejected it, you basically turn into a, a, a really squidgy, tedious monster. But you need to have gone through that process. And, and you know, to do it in your teenage years is, is not a bad time to do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a really healthy thing to do, like to, for anyone to just touch on... Or, yeah, like you said, emotionally engage on any kind of political, um, not necessarily any political ideology or, or movement or have you, but just to just to be able to engage with and, and open up your mind to other ideas is like fucking fundamental to being a, 
a, a, a part of the human race, you know, or at least a decent fucking member of the human race. I mean, God knows on the right at the moment, we're, we, you know, we're being served up some pretty heinous shite. Um, but hey, Dominic Cummings, man, you know. <laughs> Um, he he's got he's got the corona. He has got the corona. I mean, he tried to obviously run from Downing yeah. Street, but it, it didn't save him. Yeah, I know. I mean, like you just God, you just got to hope you get some sort of sense of perspective of this. It's so horrendous. But um, yeah, Ian's just dropped out for a second. I do apologize. I'm back sorry. Back. He's back. I had to go to the. Sorry. He's on a tour. He's I on a tour. the thing. I do apologize. It's all right, mate. He's guzzling the wine, guys. He's guzzling the wine. He's a he's a, a drunk political maniac. Um, God, I, I wish I could be doing that. I'm I'm doing this um, no drinking during the week thing, um, oh. and I've got a, we've we've got a peloton here as well. It's amazing. So I'm like trying to like get in shape, and for my, for the summer, so everyone can enjoy my body. Um, don't know why I said that, and. Um, <laughs> You know, but it but it involves not boozing during the it, it involves not drinking during the week, which is a fucking oh, now as well. <laughs> Fuck that. Last Tuesday I had the worst anxiety I have ever I've experienced in ten years. It was so fucking palpable, I could feel it. And I was like, I'm having a fucking drink. And it helped. It did fucking help. I'm not saying that everyone should be fucking doing it, but it does help. No? It really does. And in fact, weirdly, it's really I, I don't know what triggered it with you. I mean I there's been a two. There's been two events in the last two weeks with the whole coronavirus thing. Basically, both press conferences, where immediately afterwards, I I I literally had a drink to settle my nerves, and I don't think I've. Yeah. I mean, in certainly not in the political world. I've definitely done it in personal life. You know, I don't know. You have a breakup, or you've just gone through some scary shit outside on the street, whatever. But, you know, I've had a drink then, but I don't think I've ever done it from politics. And like, there was one of those press conferences where I was like. I am going to drink a whiskey now. Like that is the only drink that is going to fix the feeling that I have inside me. And like, that's not, yeah. you know, obviously yeah. if that's happening every day, you've got a problem. If that's happening, you know, extremely rarely, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Just, just take the whiskey and yeah. Yeah. I am having a whiskey now. What was, so what was the announcement? What was it? Was it, yeah, was one of the announcement or was, was it or something that a politician said that made you think, fuck, they don't. I had, no, no, I, no, it wasn't actually, no, it's, it's, to be honest, to give credit to them, it wasn't actually that. It, it was mostly just the severity of the situation. I mean, I can't remember what the first one was. The, the second one yeah. was the announcement of the proper lockdown. It's just a thing of like, you yeah. can talk about it, but just the sight of a prime minister basically saying, stay in your homes. <laughs> The fuck, you yeah. know, you don't you don't need to have watched too many zombie films to get sketched out by that. And the, the reality is I have watched too many zombie films. And so, you know, that that's kind of a, a stickler. And then I had had a conversation with a with a friend, which was just sort of looking over, you know, trying to assess what's the worst case scenario here. And and when you objectively looked at what the worst case scenario was in terms of, you know, the medical impact you know, in terms of what the NHS could do, in terms of the economy, and in terms of the sort of mental health of the nation, like where people's heads would be at after, let's say, you know, 18 months social isolation, you get to a pretty ugly place, basically. And it was just like, well, if thinking about this calmly, you know, without any hysteria, it, you can actually still reach some pretty diabolical conclusions. And I think it was on the back of that, watching one of those press conferences, I was like, yep, yeah, it's whiskey time. 
It's whiskey to Jesus wept. Yeah, I, I had that last week. I think, do you know, it's so funny because I could see it coming. I see the lockdown coming. It's like, you know, I don't know. It's like your favorite, it's like your football team getting relegated. You can see it fucking coming. It's just when it happens, it's just, it's, it's my, you know, um, I always bring everything back to football. It's my only thing I understand. Area I can share and, um, anything with you, I'm afraid. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, oh, fucking man, I, I, yeah, I had a proper freak oh my god but that but that's that we we've I, I don't know what's wrong with me i keep deviating back all over the place but um normally i'm quite structured that having said that i think anybody listens to this on a regular basis just knows how full of shit i'm just having <laughs> yeah, i mean this this is um, also the coronavirus thing, but, isn't it? That everyone's struggling to maintain yeah. attention on anything on even really quite okay. basic yeah. you know i was fucking watching a marvel film the other day which as much as i love them and not the most intellectually demanding sort of you know cultural artifacts you can find and even that i was thinking like I, it's actually quite hard for me to maintain attention here i kind of want to check my phone it's it's it everyone's finding the same yeah. thing yeah you know? this is something that's always in the background isn't it it's, it's very it's a very strange thing it's it's, it's, it's very it undermines you i've i found i'm slightly better now but you know just I, I I left for work um, and came back to get something that I'd forgotten three <laughs> fucking times the other day. I was what is actually going? What's going on here? I mean, it was fundamental shit. I left the phone without my house. I came back. I left the phone without my headphones. Uh, the, the house without my headphones. And then I think then I finally got to my vows. Like, I can't fucking start the car because I've left the fucking car keys in the fucking house. Like. Yeah, I couldn't blame the hat. You can't blame a hangover on that. You know, I, I you know, it's like, <laughs> God damn you, COVID, you motherfucker. Um, but anyway, you, 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 what about your um, step into like kind of written word in terms of politics? Have you always written about not necessarily like social, um, I don't know, the anthropo anthropological side of things, but have you? been like i don't know screen have you thought about writing screen or did it just naturally fall into oh no it was always it was always politics um and in fact i'm not yeah. really very good at other forms of writing like 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 all you know journalists like all hacks i was always like oh maybe i could do a novel and i remember sitting down and trying to do a novel and i was like that's actually really fucking hard like that's a like proper work right there <laughs> yeah. and very quickly i was like this is not an area that i'm very good at doing i, I can't do that um, so then I was always writing about politics and, and that was pretty easy. You know how it is in life. Like, I mean, I think if you, you can sort of tell when you're, you can intuitively tell when you've got an instinctive, um, capacity for something. And I, ideally, if you're lucky, you're going to find that in your early twenties because. Yeah. Mine's <laughs> myself, so, and you've done it yeah, tremendously yeah. well over the years. No one can question the commitment <laughs> and diligence. <laughs> um, but like you want to find because the thing is yeah. like just having the capacity doesn't mean uh, fuck all, you're gonna have what you know seven years eight years before you're actually really legitimately good at that thing and it will take proper proper time and so you just have to hope that you've got the good judgment to recognize the thing that you you could potentially use that time well on um and i have basically no skills at all like, i mean all None. I, I can't do anything physical, like anything with my hands, any DIY or sports or driving. I mean, I'm fucking shit at almost everything, but I'm, I'm, I'm more right at, at writing about politics. So luckily enough, I came up with one of those. So when did it happen then? What was it like the, um, can you remember like your first bit of writing where you thought, I'm really proud of that? 
and it can be if you're really young as well because i can remember the first thing i wrote and oh, being really proud it? of it in context you know it was um a, a, a burn basically a rip off of bernard cromwell book <laughs> cornwall i can never like it was my version of the battle mm. of waterloo but my fucking my history my english teacher at the time just absolutely ripped the piss out of me for it and in front humiliated me in front of the class so basically didn't, didn't write for anything for like another eight fucking years because of that arsehole but less about me I, what about what about what about you what was the first piece of writing that i don't writing? have any i don't have any memory of that i remember sort of being okay at sort of um creative writing in school and being asked to read them in front of the class but I, I don't really have any key memories and even if you were to ask me what with the things I'm most proud of having written in the last year, I, I don't think I can answer the question. Do you think too <laughs> yeah. much, Ian? Well, but also I have a long <laughs> career in uh, illegal drugs that I've enjoyed. Okay. But there unfortunately no more because I'm getting old and scraggy. So maybe that's not helping with the memory either. Um, however, I mean, yeah. I can't... Yeah. It's quite hard to single it out. And so what you end up having is... You obviously, like, I mean, I've, I have a book coming out, but, and I wrote a book before. And you, you think of the book, because the book is the one thing you've done, which, A, you, you physically see. You know what I mean? I mean, most of the stuff I write is online. The stuff that isn't for, like, the Washington Post or The Guardian or whatever, I don't, I don't actually buy those. Pa I mean, papers in a physical form, right? So I never see them as a physical artifact or whatever. I mean, the book is the only thing yeah. you, you're sort of reminded that you are actually writing. <laughs> this is the thing you do, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, that's yeah and it's, it is a lot of fucking... I mean, that's... I was always kind of um, irritated by writers when they do that whole, oh, it's so hard, darling. You know, it's like giving birth. And you think, like, <laughs> come on, you you little whiny bastard. Like, you know, all you have to do is sit in the warm and type. You know, like, you hard work going outside and working right but actually i'm not gonna lie like i mean i'm yeah. just coming out of two years of doing a book and i mean I, I i would be lying if i didn't say that that really is very difficult indeed <laughs> and extreme extremely yeah. demanding yeah. stuff yeah yeah everyone i've ever if a lot of people i spoke to actually have gone on to write books well not gone on to got like i don't know nick nick clegg was um he wrote that book on <laughs> brexit um yeah. how, how to stop brexit um, but that was more of a pamphlet than yeah. pamphlet than anything. Um, and then uh, dear old Paddy Ashdown, um, he was in the middle of a book. And I was like, Geez, he's like, I'm 80,000 words into it. I was like, the fuck, 80,000 words into it? What the fuck does that even mean? That's like a, I just see like a wall in front of me when someone says 80,000 words. I'm like, fuck, you know, and it's like tingling in my balls. The idea of actually getting 80,000 words onto a computer would be fucking exciting. Um, and then there's James, uh, was it James O'Brien? He's, he, he was so busy with the book. He kept on putting me off, bless him. Um, but, but you, you're talking to me. This is wonderful that, and but the book's coming out Talk yeah, talk to us about the, um, the process of, um, writing it, but also maybe if it's ever, if, if it's going to, it's going to see the light of day because of the coronavirus. That's no, no, it's a fair question. I mean, we delayed from May to September, um, but we are, we are going to bring it out in September because I mean, it's just. You know, I mean, we're going to bring it out in September, basically. And, you know, you'll see what ultimately the, the reality is. It's a it's a dead market right now. Of course it is. People are reading more. They're not reading more nonfiction. Actually, they're reading more fiction. Um, but you can't you, you can't market a book right now. It's just crazy. I mean, there's literally no events. So, you know, 
for instance, we had this, I had a national tour, I was going to go all the way up the country, fucking doing events every night for two, three months, all of that's off. Um, but it's not just, to be honest, when it came down to the decision, it wasn't just that, it was just like, you just think, I just don't want to get up in the morning and have to promote a book right now. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I, I, nothing in me desires to do that. And that's pretty fucked yeah. because there is nothing that I more want to talk about than the book. You know what I mean? Like it's two years of your life you've spent on a thing. You're ready to bring it public and to talk about it. And so you've got all this pent up energy in you of, of a desire to talk about it. And, but then when it came to the reality of what it would entail, it was just like, I just do not wish to be doing that at the moment. Um, but I think we will do it in September because I mean, you know, what, what can you do? Um, and the process has been, I mean, brutal, I think, but it's quite a, my, my intent is to um to take extremely complicated ideas and about 400 years of liberal history together with a proper understanding of how the world works in terms of its economics in terms of the highest levels of sort of theoretical discussion of political rights and freedoms and to deliver that to a reader in a way that I, I want to be as page turning as like an airport thriller basically as something that you would read on the on the beach and that's well, that's kind of what you're like. I mean, you know, from listening to you for quite some time on, on the Romaniac, so I think I, I wouldn't be alone in that assessment when you, you come on and you're like fucking no holes bars. You know, you are nat quite a naturally kind of page turnery oh, kind of guy to man. listen thank to you. anyway because you're, you know, you're a bit like the Jurgen Klopp. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I, I, I assume... Oh, come on, Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool manager. He's a legend. Oh, He's like rock and roll. No, no, and roll I do football. no, I know this because I tweeted a thing. Yes, I think he's the one. And he yeah. said a thing and I liked it. And then everyone went, Oh, you like Liverpool now. And I was like, This man from the special foot from the kicking ball teams is and it said a correct thing. <laughs> and I did like what he said. Like, that guy was great. Yeah. And I'm now informed that he's a, yeah, yeah he's the yeah. Liverpool guy. So about half the fucking, and then of course, like all the people on Twitter who are into football were like, oh, you're a Liverpool guy now. And then the other guys came up and went, we don't like Liverpool. And I was just like, please, please fuck off out of my mentions with this tedious, yeah. bawling nonsense. Yeah. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, he's he's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're like basically, I mean, in terms of page turner and your book, is it, um, it going to like spare spare no one is it going to be uh not not in terms of brute i mean not i'm not like paxman or anything like that i mean like as in is it, it calls a spade a spade is pretty full on yeah yeah well i hope so but it's not really that you know it's uh, when i say this it's more about like narrative like I, I have read a fucking shitload of political books in my time as i suspect you have you know what i mean and like yeah, I, I just find it's very rare that I find one that is genuinely page turning because I find the majority of the time it's sort of like prologue, blah, 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 which basically says this is what we're going to do you know, over the course of this book. Then chapters one, two and three are the ones you actually need to read. And they're like, this is what the idea is behind this book. And then the chapters after that are sort of either caveats or, or sort of, you know, giving a few more details on things. And it's quite rare that you really want to check on. What I've been trying to think about is how do you create narrative? Like what, what can you structure a book that's about really quite complicated ideas? You know, a book that could hopefully, by the time you're done with it, explain to you mon what monetary policy is and how it operates. Explain to you like liberal ideas around property from the English Civil War all the way through to Keynes versus Hayek. And like 
take really big ideas of like belonging and human freedom and the way that that's been sort of warped and conquered by people like Trump, by, by politics around Brexit, and just do it in a way that reads like a fucking thriller. And actually, like a lot of that comes down yeah. to, so I, I'll stop babbling on and say, but like, I remember um, right. when we had the first draft of the Brexit book, the first book I did done, and I was talking with the publisher, and we were trying to think, like, this, there's something that just isn't, it all follows sequential, but it's not quite exciting. And then I thought, I'm really into my comics, right? I thought, like, well, the thing is, like, how does a Batman comic start, right? Like, a Batman comic starts with, he's above, he's in a trap, he's above the chemical pit, He's about to get dropped in. It's in media res, right? And then they go, oh, and how, the, how did he get to this position? And you cut back. And it was like, oh, well, why don't we do that? You know, and you start with consequences of no deal. You start with like, you know, this is what happens on the day, no deal kicks in. And then you track back, you know, sort of record record shuffle, freeze frame. How did I get to this situation? And, <laughs> right, right, yeah, and then you think, well, cool. how did we get here? And, and that thing of like, how do you, what do you do with the narrative of politics in order to make it more palatable and even potentially exciting for people to read. And that is an ultimately journalistic notion, right? Like one of the first things I got told in journalism was, you're not a fucking novelist. Like, don't get your poncy bullshit. Like, just you're writing for a bloke on the bus. He's fucking, he's, he's late for work. He's got one hand on it. He's grabbing right. hold. The fucking momentum of the bus is there. He's, he's got a run off. And your job is to just try and impart information to this human being right now and just get it in there. And that has to be your approach yeah. of like, so it sounds poncy almost to talk about narrative, but that isn't. That's the delivery mechanism for making a complex world simple and engaging enough for readers to be able to fully understand so that they can take their role in the world, you know, as fully conscious political adults. Yeah, no, no, that's that's spot on, man. That's like that's how I feel about. Um, I'm doing a lot of reading at the moment. Um, well, or, I mean, I don't know the audio book he was reading or whatever. I don't know. What, I'm I'm not really that much. I don't even <laughs> give a fuck. But I'm at work. I've got like literally nothing. I've just got. I'm just fucking mowing lawns and shit. So I'm not really doing much. Um, so it's like I'm just gonna fucking listen to audio books. And I mean, Audible's all I fucking do with my life, you know, which is a good thing. But I'm mad about fucking Second World War at the moment. I don't know what the fuck. I don't even know where it came from. I just suddenly, I mean, I've always been into it, sort of, but it's not for like the past couple of years or, or more. And then suddenly I just, I have not been able to fucking no, stop with the Second World War. But again, the those guys, you know, some of them, some of them can be a bit, yeah, you know, a bit tedious, but people yeah, actually say they do the job so fucking, fucking well. brilliant for this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he just keeps, he doesn't, doesn't overdo the facts either, because, man, he's throw too many facts at me. I'm like, I just fucking go into a coma, <laughs> fat coma, you know, it's like stuff with the facts. But, um, but it's, it's fucking exciting, though, and it's really exciting for you to have like, um, a, I mean, I know it's a, a f six months away, um, the final, you know, um, what do you call it, release of the book, but in a way you don't know what's going to happen in those six months you might have like an extra bit of knowledge you want to you know pop mm -hmm. down or something some great things might happen in the interim who knows but it's yeah. just and plus people people are going to want to re-engage man there's only so much time people want to be in this chapter of this horrible virus that we're going through you know people are going to want to re-engage with with politics in a in a in a big way 
you know, especially come on Brexit. I mean, there is a question actually on um, from one of um, our listeners, and um, you know, it's whether or not there will be Brexit after this. You know, do you, do you, I know this is deviating no, a no, little no, bit no, from please. the book, but maybe we transition a bit. What, what do you mean? Will we go back to talking? Do you about think? It? Oh, well, I know we'll go back to talk about it. It's just whether or not it's actually going to be able to happen. Like, will we be able to actually afford to leave the European Union? I mean, it's thirty billion pound like divorce bill and all that kind of crap. It's like it doesn't sound like it sounds like a, you know a lot of money, but but in six months' time, that could just be ridiculous money. We just probably just wouldn't be able to afford it, even if we you know in our wildest. Yeah, but to be honest, I mean, well, hey, they've already done it for a start, so there's no. I mean, you can't imagine on that, but but I also think like. We, we we must stop making this mistake of 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 convincing ourselves that they are rational actors, you know, because they're not. They, if they were, they wouldn't yeah. be fucking doing this in the first place, and they most certainly wouldn't be doing it in the manner in which they are. Like, is this Liverpool? <laughs> or, or talk about Brexit here. Yeah. Like, I I, I get yeah. so. Do you remember when? You know, they were talking about the EU pandemic scheme. Oh, it's not just that. I mean, anything this government is, you know, you take the EU pandemic scheme, not participating in that, fundamentally insane. You take um, uh, yeah. PPE, the, the protective equipment procurement scheme at the EU level, not participating in that, is fundamentally insane. You take yeah. um, just-in-time supply chains, uh, operating for the aerospace industry and automobile industry, on the basis of, yeah. you know, basically sticking close to EASA, the European Aviation Safety Agency, and, and the harmonization of standards that you have there. I mean, I haven't spoken to anyone in aerospace for fucking four years who suggests that you should do this. Not one person. Not, not one person. Whereas, you know, you talk to people in financial services, you will definitely find Brexit. You'll find them there. You think we could do better outside or not one person in aerospace. The government is when it comes to Brexit, quite, quite mad. And when you, I mean, you would look at them today, today in their press conference, they were still saying, we're not going to extend the negotiation period. I mean, that is, I don't, you know, that is just so yeah. deranged, like so profoundly stupid. And then saying, because it's enshrined in law and you just think you fucking, you put it in the fucking bill. No one made you do that. You put that date in the bill. Yeah. It doesn't mean any more now to get rid of it than it meant when you originally put it in there. It means fuck all at the point of at the point of insertion and the point of removal equally. So there, once you're once you've had a few weeks of listening to the coronavirus thing, where they are quite considerably, no matter how critical you might be of their approach, quite considerably more rational and evidence based than they are on the Brexit thing. Once you bring the Brexit subject back. They fucking lose their shit again and start smearing shit. So you just think, no, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make any bets that this system to, yeah. The madness, the that weird rabid madness. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're used to like, you know, there's just like someone you really don't get on with, or there was just like like an ex that you just can't control yourself. Like it's just you just once you're in that circumstance, in that you just switch into the thing that you don't know how to behave another way with that person. And that's yeah, basically yeah. what they're like with yeah. Brexit. In their case, it is smearing <laughs> shit on their face. <laughs> oh, dear God. Um, no, what I, I did want to ask another question uh, from uh, 
from a listener. A listener? Yeah, that's right. But I am tired. It's just baby stuff. Um, but um, no, it's um, whether or not um, there should be a war cabinet for for a proper war cabinet to face COVID-19 as in like wartime, as in we have a few members from the Lib Dems, a few members from Labour, a few members from SNP, blah, blah, blah. And we, we forge a... a a war cabinet. Do you think that's viable? Do you think that? I think it's. It is by distance like one of the better ideas I've heard. It's it's a really good idea, um, it, yeah. they won't do it um, because I think they're far too tribal for that. Cummings and Johnson um, and most of the people around his cabinet table as well. I mean, you know, there's people that are around the cabinet table because they're because they're loyalists, right? I mean, these are guys who can't yeah. even stand fucking Oliver Letwin, let alone you know. <laughs> Liberal Democrats. I mean, yeah. it's not like we're not dealing with Cameron and Clegg anymore. You know, these guys are fucking way off the reservation. Um, so it probably won't happen. The irony of that, I think, is that actually, honestly, the, the worst, I suspect that the worst thing you could do to Keir Starmer when he becomes Labour leader is invite him in. You know, because, I mean, you're making him share in the culpability. I mean, basically what you do is you, you share the stakes with him. You know, like... But only, I think, in, in the pro side. I mean, I just think you, you bring him in, he's culpable insofar as you fuck it up, but he won't get the praise for insofar as it goes well because he's not the actual prime minister, right? So it's like co- kind of... Exa- yeah, basically, it's the same It's the same dynamic. It's exactly yeah. the same dynamic. Um, so to be honest, they're sort of shooting themselves in the foot because I actually think it would do... A, if, if I was a Tory, I think it would do a pretty good job of neutralising him. Not to suggest for one moment that these guys are so cynical that they would be thinking of party political advantage at a time of national crisis. (laughs) (laughs) But nevertheless, I would. Um, And I think probably Keir Starmer will be quite grateful that they're not likely to make that offer. No, I think it would be for the good of the country if we had that. And and the same with this idea of getting like a, a sort of table of wise. You know, basically, you know, the ultimate thing is, why not get all the former prime ministers? Like, why not have them there? Yeah. You know, John Major, Tony Blair onwards, just sitting there in some kind of council to, to assess what's going on. And and if you wanted to share blame, it, you know, I'm, I'm obviously past the point of thinking that Boris Johnson could be smart enough to think he just wants to do the right thing. So I'm thinking in terms of how what his incentives might look like. If you just want to share blame, that would actually be a pretty good way to do it. But, you know, they won't. No, no, I like it. I like it. I just, it's like you said, you know, these aren't the coalition years. Those, those kind of, I don't know, like about like, um, I wouldn't say like the sunny days of coalition because that would, that would be a stupid thing to say. But like this, in, in comparatively speaking, uh, you know, post Brexit, post COVID, you know, and all this kind of horror, horror show, we've, we've just, that's all been replaced with people like Dominic Cummings now. So it's sort of like, even if we did want a legitimate, sober conversation to rescue us, it's, 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 you know, it's beyond those fuckers. Anyway, but as another question for you uh, from um, Harry Kitely. I want to say Kitely. I'm just going to say Harry Kitely. Uh, he he asks you, does he have any other quarantine recipes other than fucking soups and monstrosities? But why would you want? Because I don't. <laughs> I mean, why would you want any other ones? Okay, I'm not going to lie. I have actually done very little cooking during quarantine and the missus has done almost everything because the, the truth of that relationship is that she can cook. <laughs> right. I'm with you on yeah. that one, my friend. So, 
but you yeah you've got other reasons i'm just a 1950s right wing <laughs> motherfucker i'm just like get in that <laughs> kitchen woman i get suspect that, that is kitchen. not the case <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's not but you know I thought no, I'd try. Nice. I thought it was I'd try. deeply unconvincing but thank you very much that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> So no recipes for you for, I mean, for that for I a pretty good black bean um, um, burger. I don't know. I do lots of things well, but that's obviously, that is my favorite recipe. I like, I shit you not. That is actually genuinely my favorite recipe. And you can make nicer stuff. Okay. But it, Dorito lasagna is the best shit. And people, um, people, look, people hate it until they eat it. And once they eat it, the world, the world swivels on its axis. And they realize the central, yeah. the central beauty of the concoction. Yeah, it's like um, Spinal Tap. Or, no, it's like Status Quo. <laughs> yeah, so. controversial. Yeah. It, no, no, it's not controversial. It's an actual fact. Give it some time, Ian. Give it some fucking time. I mean, you know, have you got anything I could, like, persevere with? And I'll swim on my axis. <laughs> I don't really, I don't think. No, I mean, I think the people should be reading comics in their quarantine because you've got nothing else to do, so they might as well get on with it. That's about it. There's there's quite a nice question here that I quite enjoyed, actually, um, from Benjamin Seabrook. Um, you're going to a desert island and you can only take one swear word with you. Which one? Oh, it's cunt. It's obviously cunt. Um, of course it is. It's cunt. It's cunt. Well, of course it is. Um, I mean, that's... So, there's, there's a couple of things there, I think. I mean, the, the first one is, you know, it, it, it cannot be a coincidence that... The one word that is considered so taboo is describing um, female genitals as opposed to male genitals, which we have about fucking five words for. It's a way that gives them power and strength rather than, you know, submissive, like pussy or, or something like that, which is, you know, don't be such a pussy man. But uh, yeah. it's always about being submissive on that. When you give them power, it's like, oh, actually, well, we can't have that. So you just think, well, I, I mean, you know, to be clear, fuck you on that, and, and we should use the word. Definitely, there's there's something else, which is... Um, the seriousness to how you're answering this question <laughs> no, is quite this, amazing. This is a serious matter. <laughs> <laughs> there's details, there's details. You've lied, you've lied away, listen, uh, like, thinking no, about well, this. This, this doesn't matter. So, um, people often say, you know, you shouldn't swear because we have lots of words, you know, that you should be able to find another word that does what we have just described. Now, that's such a complete misunderstanding of how swear words operate. Because swear words' real meaning is not the thing that they designate. It is the emotional reaction in the person that hears them. They signify taboo, right? All societies have taboo around language. And by triggering a bit of taboo, you sort of spark a certain level of... Um, kind of almost danger awareness in the brain. Like, you know, the, the, the person suddenly thinks, well, fuck, something's going on here. And they listen. And in political communication, the role of swear words is therefore really quite disastrously undervalued because they get people to listen. Um, and no word does that better than cunt. Cunt is you know, the strongest swear word there is. And on that basis of triggering the taboo and making people listen, making their ears prick up, making them capable of receiving information, it is, you know, by, by distance, the most powerfully effective word. So for that reason, I, I would take cunt with me to the desert island. And next on Newsnight, 
um yeah <laughs> yeah no man that that's um i feel like uh i get it a lot because i'm a sweary kind of guy yeah i i i do i i swear a lot but i but i i do it because i'm i've always when i found found out how to swear and how it was exceptionally naughty to do so um and, and I was just sent to boarding school and, and kind of forgotten about. I became a fucking <laughs> rebel and just swore every goddamn opportunity. We were like at art classes or what have you. And I was like, you know, you can swear as much as you like, Will, but we all know what's really going on. <laughs> and just miss your mum. Um, <laughs> you know, it's true. Um, I guess we've got time for like one more question, but it's really, it's really up to you, dear boy. Um, I think it's just, like I said to you in in a message, we've got, I I put up, like I've, I've introduced some pretty fantastic people and I'm not saying you're not fantastic, but my God, when I put this up, it, that I was chatting with you, it went fucking mental, like retweets and questions. It's, it's almost impossible to get them all in. But, um, Oh my God! Okay, I should have. Pre- I should. Have, should I prepare these? I probably should have. Do do I do I? I suspect you don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is one question I did like actually. Um, oh right, yeah. Okay. Could you ask Ian if he believes that this is from the pistol from Excellent. Bristol? Okay. Excellent. Could you ask him if he believes that once the inevitable public inquiry is held, that any current government, including including advisors, will actually be held to account? And that's in relation to COVID nineteen. It's a big one. I think it, it a lot depends on what you mean by held to account, because I. So let's in in context of like say Grenfell in context of like say going back to the nineties. Uh, right. The thing is, and no, and and that's all fine. But the thing is really held to account you need a legal judgment and that's not what you're going to get and nor should you right for any for any kind of inquiry into what's going on now or for that matter into brexit or something you know you hear the same things with brexit we should make it illegal for politicians to lie and you just think well can you really think through what that legislation would look like and how it would be enforced <laughs> because i can't see how to make that happen um and the same here the truth is that the law is not a response to the kinds of things that we're dealing with. Our system is based on the idea of honour and of there being consequences to catastrophically fucking up or to repeatedly lying to the public. And at the moment, we've lost that. Yeah. Like We have lost the sense of honour in the political system. So, yes, I think there'll be an inquiry. Yes, I think actually it seems at the moment like it would be really quite damning about government behaviour, particularly over the last six weeks. I think it would be much more forgiving about the kind of judgments that were made in January when you look at those meetings. And, and it just wasn't clear how big of a threat this would be. But February will be the month. February is the month that people will talk about as the moment the government should have been doing things and was not doing things. And in fact, in its public statements, seems to have been encouraging precisely the opposite. For that to have an effect, there has to be a sense of honour in the system. There has to be a sense of actions having consequences and just being based on your assessment of the tribal identity of the person to whom they are to whom they are concerned. And on that basis, I'm not yeah. hopeful. I'm not hopeful. Not here. Not in the states. I'm not hopeful that we're at that point. I I, yeah. I suspect we have more work to do to get to that point. 
Yeah, I mean, part part of me does think that it'll just be like um, the act of God factor. I just think a lot of people, just a lot of government will try and push the blame around, perhaps. I don't know where the fuck they actually push the blame around on this one, to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest. Um, but it'd just be the, oh, you know, it wasn't us, it was God or whatever. It was an act of God, man. We, You know, we, even if we had acted, blah, 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 this would have happened. Uh, I don't know, you know, it's just... And also, like, you've got to remember people's memory. You know, people fucking forget damn quick, you know. And there'll be something, there won't be something as big as COVID, but there will be something else to to just distract people because people won't necessarily want to fucking think about this for for a long period of time. Like, once this thing is over, people will want to get on with their fucking lives. It does depend a bit on how many people die, right? And and, and if it's a lot, I mean, I'm touching with it, if, if there's a lot, then there may be more of a pressure for real blame there. And in that case, I think you're right. They will try to blame people. So I think they, they will they will cite the controversy over the scientific advice within SAGE, you know, the disagreements there, and they'll cite the Chinese, which I think they've already been doing this week. And and the thing is, in both cases, that will be true. Right? That will that these are both true statements to make. The Chinese did cover it up, you know, in the early stages. Yeah. And there was some genuine yeah. debate within SAGE. The thing is, as a government, your job is to make decisions on the basis of the advice that you're given, not to pretend that, you know, they, they do the governing. And on that, on that basis, it may be hard to make them stick to it. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But, but if yeah. this is as severe as some of us think, it's possible that they won't be able to get away from it. At the moment, it's unclear. Yeah. So on a, on a lighter note, how are you... What are you doing to keep busy, man? Like, what? what's your... I know we spoke a bit about your routine and stuff, but, like, what's coming up in the next few days? Are you literally just doing these kind of things? Like, uh, No, no, I'm still lot. working quite a bit. So I'm just doing... I've got the chance, so I just do more yeah. work on the book and try to make it even better, blah, blah, blah. It, as it's such a thing as comprehensible that yeah. it could be even better than it already is, but nevertheless, yes, one goes for that. Of, of um, so I still, you know, I edit a website, so I still do all of that. I still do podcasting. It's quite... Yeah. I mean... This is not a terrible period to be in if you are, you know, a freelance political journalist because you can do most of the things that you do and, and get them done. The job then is to yeah. try and provide something useful about something and not let yourself fall into that trap of just being someone that does a take. Um, yeah. But, you know, it shouldn't be too difficult. It's, it... I, just, I just think I just had this <laughs> vision come into my head. I used to work, I was, I was a farmhand for three years in the countryside when I was um, younger, like when I was a lot younger. And you, you, the cows would get let out the first time after a winter indoors uh, in the sheds. It sounds horrid, fucking disgraceful. Um, I wasn't in charge of that, by the way. I was too young to have any authority. Okay. I won't so, call cows PCA. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And it was like, basically, these cows would come running out to the field, running and jumping around, you know, being so fucking happy. I've just got this idea that when this fucking this monstrosity of a horrible situation is over, when the pubs are fucking opened, mm-hmm. it is going to be fucking mental. Are you going to be one of those people, Ian? Are you going to be a cow <laughs> coming out of a shed after a winter covered in shit? <laughs> Some running you put into it so field. nicely. <laughs> no, just associating with that. Uh, you know, I'm kind of yeah. concerned by that, right? Because everything I've read... Well, being <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've never, never really wanted yeah. that. It's never been huge on my list of priorities. Um, like, <laughs> everything I've read about it suggests that that's the danger point. 
right? The moment that the restrictions ease, weather's nice, mm. everyone's pent up, we're all going to hit it. We're all desperate to hit it. And like, yeah. I, I just, that's the point where you're at the most risk. And historically speaking, that's when viruses have really spread. Um, but I just, and even though I know that, that is in my head, I comprehend the reality of that. I'm going to really struggle really struggle to not go to the pub when this thing is over. I just can't, who, who is the person, you know, let's say it's 12 weeks of this, right? Who is the person that still sits at home after the restrictions are lifted? And doesn't, it's just, it, that's almost insane to think that you could do that. But, but yeah, intellectually, true. that is the correct thing to do. So this has actually been haunting me quite a bit, but it's good, right? Because I got another 10 weeks to be haunted by it before even the slightest chance that any of this is lifted. Exactly, mate. But but also, you know, you you don't you don't know they they might actually have a fucking plan. They've got three motherfucking months to actually think of a way of of doing this sensibly. Um, and you just gotta pray to God that that is a thing that they're doing. Like, I know exit strategies aren't their big thing, you know. But um, well, actually, sorry, are exit strategies a government's thing? I mean, Brexit, exit. I don't know. But um. You just got to pray to God that, that happens. But anyway, um, mate, I'll let you get back to your to your bunker. Um, and thank thank you so fucking much for agreeing to this. It's so sweet of you. I know you've been super super busy. So it's been man. really really Thanks sweet. Thanks for having to, me. Um, yeah. Um, and when, actually, when when are you back on um, Romaniacs again? Because you, you you haven't. I think I'm doing. Oh no, I'm doing this week. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm on day after tomorrow. Well, which right. comes out on Friday. Yeah. Okay. Because we miss someone that swears. We really do. We need someone who swears on that show. It's, it's a good thing. Alex and Naomi, <laughs> they do a great job. But, you know, no one swears oh, like you. That's fantastic. That's as, you know. as good a piece of phrase as I could have got. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, I'll, I'll say goodnight. But um, fuck a duck. I'm just trying to... It's a, such a weird thing to just... This, what is really, really fucking weird is that we're all... When, I, when I'm like talking to these motherfuckers who've got, like, huge lives going on... Um, not that you haven't, of course, but like it's like Gina Miller or whatever. I always think, oh my god, you know, they're going to go off and they're going to go to this massive conference or they're going to go to this massive business meeting and meet X, Y, and Z. It's like when I hang up this, you're just going to be pretty much doing exactly what the fuck I'm going to be doing. You know, it's like we're all just doing the same shit. You know, <laughs> it's true, man. Everyone's doing the same thing, and the best part of that is. When, yeah. when you try to contact someone and they don't get back to you, you know, it's literally because <laughs> they don't want to talk to you. They have no other excuses, right? Yeah. <laughs> of excuses. Yeah. Wow, that, that phone's really ringing for a long time. <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's probably just run out of toilet roll and he's using his bathrobe again. Anyway, mate, it's Thank been so, so good to talk to you. And uh, look after yourself you and too, stay man. safe. Good night. All right, fella. Bye-bye.